This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Absolute delight to be joined on CFB today by Alan Bennett, a man who has played at Cork City in two spells, two very successful spells. He won the league at Cork in 2005 and won the league again in 2017. The club's both of those um, feats are the club's most recent league title wins uh, in the top flight. So he's been part of both of them. Also came to, to, to play in England, played at Southampton, Brentford, Wickham, Cheltenham and Wimbledon as well as well as um, Reading, I should mention too. First of all, Alan, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I really I really appreciate the invite. It's, it's nice to get get a chance to come on and, and, and chat football at any time. So it's, 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 I'm really privileged. Thank you very much. It's, it's a pleasure. And I should have mentioned in Mintro there, Ireland as well, two caps for the, for the senior side. And, and as I say, we'll come to that as the interview goes on. And I look forward to your insight in terms of international football as well. In terms of yourself, I mentioned the fact that two spells at Cork, two very successful spells. Your first spell was when was your first real professional club from 2000 to 2006. What was it like for you when you joined Cork for the first time, and what was it like breaking into a first team? Um, well, I, I was in yeah, I, I was a Cork City fan growing up, so I, I would have gone to games and, and been regular at, at live football growing up. You know when. Um, when it was kind of special to see football in front of you, I know we're in a situation now where it's mad, you can't go see live games, but back then it was kind of, football hadn't really become international and football wasn't everywhere yet, so it was kind of great to be able to see live football in front of you. That was kind of uh, early 90s, and then, and then I broke into the youth team in 2000, and then uh, I managed to break through in, into the first team in, in kind of one 2001-2002 season. We, we had a split season. We used, to, we used to run the same format as, as the UK back then, but I think kind of 2005, maybe 2004-ish, they changed to summer football. So it became an annual season. So everything became within the one year, you know. But to answer your question in terms of breaking into a first team, it was, it was challenging. It, it was... It was something I suppose that I, I was just so anxious to prove myself and I was so determined to prove myself that I, ju I just tore into everything like every training session uh, any opportunity um, just felt so happy to be involved that that kind of wave of enthusiasm carried me quite a long way you know and and, and that, that that I think kind of went through my has been treaded through my career since but Initially, it was definitely a high wave of enthusiasm that would have got me a long way. Who were the big characters when, when you, you broke into the Cork first team? Because over here in the UK, there'll, there'll be certain fans that are familiar um, with the League of Ireland. There'll be certain fans that are not. And when it comes to characters, no matter which league you, you talk about, they're everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose the team was kind of changing at the time, so it would have had a lot of... Um, like local older pros who would be definitely well known in the League of Ireland, 
players like Patsy Frayne and Declan Daly, uh, John Coffey, who ended up being a manager of mine uh, in my second spell. But those kind of guys were really coming towards the end. And at the same time, I'm probably casting you way back now, but the ITV deal fell through in its coverage of the Football League and the Championship in England. So a lot of players would have fallen out of the the clubs there uh, through academies and through youth teams. So a lot of those players then started to come back home to Ireland. So you would have had um, like George O'Callaghan, John O'Flynn. Uh, they would have gone back over to the UK subsequently, but they would have came home initially. And then Dan Murray, these kind of players. And they, they, the manager at the time started to rebuild our team around a lot of young players. So I was quite, quite fortunate at the time to be able to come into the team at that time. So we just kind of rebuilt the team around that nucleus of core players that were home, but also lads who had come back from the UK and been in YTS programs, been young pros and determined to prove themselves, you know? So it was, look, I suppose luck has a certain bit of play and, and that, that timing kind of really helped me, you know? And in terms of coming through at that time, you talk about timing being really key. Just sum up, what it was like when you, you win the league title 2005. I know I'm jumping a few years there, but when you when you look back in the history of the club, it's it's a historic occasion. I know the club had won it in the early 90s, but it had been 12 years since their last success. To, so to, to, to win a title when you're up against clubs like Derry City, and, and, it, and it goes to, to, towards the end of the season, just what was that like? Yeah, it was... It was actually the current uh, Irish national team manager, Stephen Kenny, was the manager of Derry at the time. And um, it, it ran right to the end of the season. And it was a real kind of nip and tuck affair. And it, I think they were actually leading going into the last game of the season. And we play, we had to play them, you know. So everything kind of fell into place in terms of excitement. It was, for me, like, see, that's the problem. Like, youth is kind of wasted on the young, you know. At the time, I thought, ah, oh, this is kind of just normal because... Once I broke into the team in in 2002-2003, we'd become we came third and then we came second and then we were kind of building towards this. Like so, the whole team was building and we were playing in Europe. Um, once you f- finished third and second, you you qualify for Europe and then it just felt like it was kind of normal, like a wave of of excitement and a wave of enthusiasm and um. That last game, look, it fell really well for us and, and we were at home and it just, we had to win. That kind of, that played with our hands psychologically. Um, Derry, possibly, if they drew, they would have won. So they were kind of thinking about not losing and, and that psychology is, is so difficult to be in. So for us, it, it all just rolled together perfectly and, and it actually ended up being an opportunity for us to, to do the double, but uh, we didn't we didn't succeed in the cup final. But to, to get that to get that league title over the line was was a massive achievement for our club because geographically Cork is right down south of the island of Ireland. Um, a lot of the clubs are in around Dublin, the capital. So we would be, I suppose, like a, a Plymouth in the UK, maybe you know that kind of that kind of sense. We're kind of right down the bottom, of, a lot of travelling for us every year. So um, it's it's that kind of big. There's one one club in the city, so it's a lot of big support for it. So it was really celebrated and, and it was a really great occasion. And in terms of that last game of the season, when, when you think about winning a league title, playing the team who you're up against in the last day must be 
just just the best feeling when it goes well. Going into that game, do you feel that? Did you feel that because you were at home, there was more pressure on them? Or going into the game, did you feel that you were under a lot of pressure? I mean, it's something that it very rarely happens in football that the two teams going for the title actually face each other in the last day of the season. Yeah, it's very true, very true, and it it just lined up that way and and. You're spot on. You have, you have, we of course down through the years in football there's been incredible last days and incredible last and everyone has their own feelings towards it and everyone has, you know, either heartbreak or triumph and uh, the finality of it all, you know, like when when it come when the final whistle goes. For us leading into that game, look, listen, memory can play tricks on you too. Like but from, from what I can remember, looking back, it what sticks out is that we had to get the result, like we had to go for the win, you know, and that was the talk all week and that was the talk and training the day before, the night before and that just kind of made it a lot easier, like in terms of that's your objective and that's your aim, you know, and that point was played to us over and over again through different ways, through different uh, mediums, through, through different messages and that that's what kind of really sunk in for me and 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 I think, I suppose it was a lesson that I like to carry on as well. You, you just got to go for everything because you don't really know what's going to come, you know. And that, I think if you go and try and win everything, then you can kind of leave with no regrets, you know. One of the players who was instrumental in that season, along with yourself and many others, was, was Roy O'Donovan. I know it was his first season at the club when you won the title. Someone that's well known in football in the sense that obviously he moved on to Sunderland. He, he played in the UK like yourself for, for, for many years and then went abroad. What was he like in that season and how crucial was he? Because he was a player that was very highly rated and like yourself, as we'll come to, was linked with so many clubs during his spell at Cork. Yeah, I should have mentioned him earlier. That like um, Roy and there was obviously there was Kevin Doyle there as well up to, up to halfway through that season. Um, and I think Roy, because Kevin was flying up front, again, this is what I can remember, because Kevin was flying up front, Roy was out on the wing. and once Roy got a more central role, he just went to a whole other level. You know, he he just went up two or three levels in terms of his game, and he was determined. You know, because same kind of thing, he'd been released from Coventry, he'd come home, and he was just determined to make it as a pro. And when I went back, to, when I went to the UK for for that that spell of, of nine seasons, a lot of people would have spoke to me about the Irish League and spoke to me about recruiting from the Irish League, and they would have said that they would have actively looked for players who had been over and come back and now were ready to go over again because they knew the system, they understand the football, they understood rejection, they understood hard work, they bounced back, they've shown resilience. So uh, it was actually, like some scouts were saying, that they were actively looking for, for players who had been uh, released, gone back to Ireland, set themselves up and now we're at a, and, and matured and now we're at a good age again, 23, 24. Whereas... Up till then, it was always your 14, 15, 16-year-old who was going to the UK, you know. So um, I, I think that kind of that era kind of changed the, the profile of players that were moving across, um, excuse me, from Ireland to England. So, but Roy is a guy, fantastic fella, like incredible attitude, determined, focused, great self-belief, but in a nice way, you know, and um, lightning quick. A nasty side to him too, which I absolutely loved, which you have to have. And he was just, it's, it's no surprise really, the, the career he's had. 
In terms of Kevin Doyle as well, just just what was he like? Because he was obviously there and then left, as you say, had a very successful career in England, many caps for, for Ireland as well. Just what was he like to play with? Because you mentioned the fact he was predominantly a winger at times when he was at Cork, but he then went on to play up top when he came to England. Yeah, the exact kind of same situation. Signed um, as a winger, like he came down from St. Pat's in, in Dublin. He followed the manager down, uh, Pat Dolan. And, and again, he had to kind of buy his time to get, to get his opportunity to play up front. And... Once he took it, he just, he just took off. And it was I kind of saw par- parallels between Kevin and Sean Maguire in the second in the second half of my course career because the both of them just took off. And and in the Irish season, which starts in pre-season January, starts in February maybe. There's a mid-season break around June, so February, March, April, May. That's four C four months. And Sean Maguire and Kevin were hitting ridiculous numbers up, up, to, up to June, you know. Uh, I think Kev was maybe on 14, 15. Shawnee was 18, 19, 20, you know. So they then, like, just rolled into a pre-season in, in the UK. So they would have left in June, uh, mid-June maybe, you know, and gone straight into a pre-season in July, signed for a team straight into a pre-season in July and just, just catapulted off from then. So... I always felt like the, the timing of them moving, and especially for goal scorers, so you'd always have seen them scoring in the preseason early games, one or two goals, two or three goals here and there, and that just rolls into the season then, you know. So, again, a great guy, like a really professional guy, um, great with his head, you know, he, you know, he scored a lot of his goals from, from headers, and he, he, was, he was clinical at that, really intelligent player, used his body really well. Um, and, and just just a really fantastic person off the pitch as well, and and out of a lot of time for Kevin. And at the same time, actually Shane Do- Shane Long left our team as well, but he would have only had one or two appearances. He was kind of in our youth team, uh, and he was starting out. So the two of them kind of left at the same t- same time and went to Reading. But like two great guys and 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 two fantastic careers. I want to ask you about the manager of that that league success, Damien Richardson. What was he like? Because he had two spells managing Cork. And when you look at his record, the fact that as a manager with the club, he manages to win the league. And then after you leave, he also manages to, to win the cup as well. And you mentioned the fact that also in the season that you, you win the league, you're runners up in the cup. So what was he like to work with? And why do you think he clicked with Cork in that second spell? I think, I think he knew the club. I think he knew how it worked. I think he knew the personalities of the club. So I think he was able to come in and, and keep the whole thing moving along, you know. Um, the the previous manager manager to him was it was a guy named Pat Dolan. So my first spell with Cork, there was Liam Murphy, who who was a local man, local manager, who took me into the first team. Pat Dolan then took over from him, who would have recruited a lot of the players and 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 had strong links with the UK. So he would have recruited in a lot of the team, and he drove the club in terms of standards, in terms of professionalism, and put in a lot of framework, a lot of structures in place to set up for the success that was coming that which which Damien just 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 handled then majestically because he he's that kind of character that kind of person where he can just come in kind of take the pressure off the players keep everything moving along and and just I suppose the two of them between Pat uh, between Liam Pat and um Damien cultivated that success and created that momentum and 
unfortunately Damien then wasn't able to sustain that and sustain that around the club and um, eventually like the club went into harder times as it went on but immediately he was able to bring success because of his personality and because of the way he was just able to take pressure off the players and you know deal with the players on a one-to-one man management style. One of the things that that really defines football is our derby matches. In terms of Cork, what are the big derby matches, and 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 also what's the passion like within the League of Ireland? Because people sometimes look at football in Ireland, even football in Scotland, and they sort of look down on it because it doesn't have anywhere near the money of the English Premier League. But although it doesn't have that money, I always feel that what it lacks in cash, it makes up for from passion in the stands. Yeah, absolutely. Characters, um, like, I suppose, geographically, because Scotland and Ireland are so close to the UK and there's, like, so many levels within the UK as well in terms of football, you know, like, so there, there'll inevitably be comparisons across the board, you know. But for Ireland and then on this island, we're split again between the, the league in the north of Ireland the Irish League and the League in the Republic, uh, which is the League of Ireland, you know. So again, it's split again. So because I get that question a lot, I, I get that question a lot when I go across when I was across the UK. What what's the football like? What's the football like there? And it's difficult to kind of try to explain to people. But like for Irish teams and for um, teams in the League of Ireland, like Europe was the huge, huge um, golden goose, you know. That would, like. Coming up on Thursday now, our our league champions are playing AC Milan, you know, in in in, in a European tie. So that's that that's tomorrow. So um, those kind of games uh, are the equivalent of of lower leagues in England and lower leagues in Scotland pulling the real big clubs in the cup, you know. So like those kind of games and in in terms of support, it's like Ireland is and like Scotland sport mad, football mad. We probably have our, we have our national games here as well, which 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 add into add into it as well. And um, it, 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 the League of Ireland is a survivor. You know, it, it it's it's probably down the pecking order in terms of what people go to week in week out. But it's been around. I think there was a recent celebration there. I think it was centenary um, in the last few years. So it's been around for you know generations, and it will be around for generations. And it's it's something that's loved uh it's something that's sometimes been seen as having a rocky relationship with our football association um and it's something that will always be ingrained in our society and it's something that shouldn't be overlooked either and and it's i I love it obviously because i'm involved in it and i spent the majority of my life in it um and you can go and I know when people come over from the UK to games, they absolutely love it because you're walking down the street towards the game, you're walking along beside a player. You know, you live in a local estate and a local player could be your neighbour, you know. So he goes out to work, you go to work, it's the same thing. He comes back, you know, you chat to him about the game every weekend. You know, you both might get a you know a bus to the game or whatever. There's, there's, there's no airs and graces about our league and, and it's, it's very warts and all in some sense, but... It, it's a very still league of the people, you know. In terms of life in Scotland, with our league and with players that come to Scotland, um, from whatever league they come to us from, the ambition is always to, to one day go on and, and play down south, whether that's in the Premier League or the Football League. 
In terms of the League of Ireland, I assume for yourself and for so many players coming through, yes, of course, you want to represent the club that you support and the club that you've grown up with, in, in your case, Cork. But at the same time, there is always that ambition to, to go to England one day. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a paradox in a sense, you know, because like, it, it's become more fluid between, between the two countries, between the leagues in, in more recent times. And now we have in our squad at the moment uh, loanees from the UK, you know, from Huddersfield, from QPR, from Arsenal, and they're coming to the League of Ireland to get a first team opportunity because they haven't been given that opportunity in the UK, you know. And then you have players in in Cork, growing up in Cork, want to play for Cork, but then understand the draw of the UK and they, you know, the, the potential levels because I suppose look. As a player, you, 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 if you're in this game for 10, 15 years, you, you'll eventually level out at a level. You might get an opportunity at a higher level. You might get cast down to a lower level. But you'll eventually end up at the level that your technical, tactical, physical and mental ability will, will get you to. So over the years, you'll, you'll level out of that. And I suppose for players here, they might go up few levels which isn't in our country so you have to leave the country the nearest one is the UK some some go to to America um, Scotland um, there's a, some Irish players in Wales so they don't we don't historically travel to, to the continent too much so those kind of leagues are haven't really been familiar are not really familiar with Irish players but definitely in the UK and they just go up the levels, I suppose, and then come down the levels maybe and then find their level in between and, and maybe eventually end up back at a level in the League of Ireland, you know. So, But I, like to answer your question, it, it, it is, I suppose, a, a draw, but also, like I said, there's, there's players from the UK now coming back, coming here. So it's definitely more fluid in terms of people moving back and forward. And that's become more fluid as the years gone by, 100%. Loans season-long signings, two-year signings, going over for a loan to the UK, signing in the UK for two or three years, coming back to Ireland, coming back to the UK, which I only think is good. It's only a positive thing. In terms of yourself, there was interest in you. You'd watched Roy leaves the club, um, Kevin Doyle leaves the club, Young Shing Long, a few others, obviously from the league as well, coming to the UK and moving on. For you, what was it that convinced you that Reading was the club for you? Because again, they were Premier League at that time. Yeah, it was. It was. It was the Irish connection. It, it was. It was. It was the Premier League, like you said. It was um, the opportunity, you know. Just, just I suppose I was at a good age. I was twenty-four, maybe. Yeah, twenty-three, twenty-four, and um, just felt like if I didn't go then then I might not get that same opportunity ever again, you know. Um, there had been some talk of clubs, but nothing was ever concrete put to me, you know. Uh, this was the first concrete kind of offer. Um, and I, I just wanted to, I wanted to explore it. I wanted to explore, I wanted to test myself in that environment, excuse me, and see how, see how I would get on, you know. And you, you always have to push yourself. You always have to, you know, uh, motivate yourself to 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 get the absolute mastery of your skill, and and 
you can't do that unless you're in an environment that'll absolutely challenge you. And, and that's where I kind of, where I wanted to go. So I went outside my comfort zone and wanted to go there and wanted to do that. It wasn't easy. It was, it was, it was rocky, but it was something that if I do the exact same thing now, if you, if you offer me the same chance, you know. And in terms of your time at Reading, that, that, that summer you get called up to the Ireland squad, you get two caps, which for any player I imagine is real, really the pinnacle to represent your country. The games that you played in were both against um, South American opposition and the fact that you had Ecuador and you had Bolivia as well. What was it like getting the opportunity to, to, to be involved in the national squad and crucially get those caps as well? Yeah, look, it's it's massive honour, you know. It is. It really is a massive honour. Um, I probably went on the radar once I once I made that move move to Reading. It was. I always kind of talk this down. I don't know why people have asked me about my caps, and I always feel like the need to kind of talk it down because it was a it was a tour. It was in America. There was two games. One was in Boston. One was in New York against South American opposition, like you said. Um, a lot of players are kind of pulled out of the squad, so that gave me an opportunity to go in. Um, there were two friendly games, but it was something that look was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. I would have loved, um, I suppose, the competitor in me and 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 person who's competing in me really would have loved a, comp- a competitive game, you know, a competitive situation. But it was my opportunity to put myself up in front of the manager and show him what I could do if, you know, there was injuries or if down the line um, he needed replacements in. Um, and you know what? It actually it actually gave me the opportunity when I went back to Reading to be able to go to Southampton because that put me on the radar in the UK because my performances were actually all right because I hadn't actually played a game um, in the UK because I had just been playing reserve games. So um, it kind of helped in that sense in, in terms of my profile. But I would have loved if they were competitive games, but absolutely, look, the opportunity and the trip and those two games were, were magic, you know. I want to ask you about the, the, the experienced man of that squad, Kevin Kilban. What was he like to train with and play alongside? He was, he was fantastic, really was. Um, a really good guy, really great pro. Um, I was, I was kind of in awe of him when I, you know, I met him, and um, he was. You could just tell how much he loved being in that environment, and you could tell how much he loved representing his country. And you know, when you're young and you see that from an older pro, and I always felt like I was an enthusiastic type of player. I, I trained enthusiastically. I, you know, went and, and attacked the work with, with enthusiasm. And then to see him, who was my senior, the exact same thing, but, you know, probably multiplied by five or six times. And it just, it just highlighted to me, I suppose, that, that this is international football and this is the level and this is, you know, my enthusiasm will get me so far, but... I've got to start combining that now with with good technical quality, good tactical awareness, and and stronger, a, a better physical attributes. You know, so it was it was a bit of a learning curve, but it was great. 
Who else within that squad really impressed you when you were training with them and, of course, playing those two games too? Yeah, it was, it was like um, Kevin Doyle was there. Obviously, I knew him quite well. So he, he would have been uh, a player that I knew. Stephen Hunt was there as well. So I would have known them from Reading training day in, day out. Um, there was... Like you see, there was a lot of guys who were kind of breaking in around first teams. And Darren Potter at the time was at Liverpool, and he was kind of breaking through. And I really liked his technical quality. He would have gone on to MK Dons and a few other teams. Um, for a lot of guys, it was like it was like a little bit of a shop window, you know, to 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 be able to be seen. You know, Daryl Murphy was there as well at the time. He was kind of just coming through at, at Sunderland, I think he was. So. Um, like those kind of guys I kind of knew, but to be able to see them up, up close, like it was great, you know, to be able to see them training and, and what they were doing. Um, I suppose, look, what it might be known for is a, a local college recruit came in and joined our squad uh, kind of halfway through. He was a guy called Joe Lapira. He was kind of recruited, he was kind of drafted into the squad and he had played in the college leagues and I think his it was either Irish grandparents or something. and. Um, Every year it pops up on Twitter. Uh, it's kind of like an anniversary because I think he got a couple of minutes in the, in the second, in the last game, and he's kind of the last amateur because he was an amateur guy. He was playing in colleges, the last amateur to definitely represent Ireland. Um, and so every year Twitter kind of lights up, and I, I get tagged in a few things on Twitter. So that's look, that's always nice to be to be uh, to be remembered. And I remember him because he was, he was a nice guy, but I suppose he's been brought up every year since, so it's kind of more difficult to forget. Absolutely. And in terms of yourself, you mentioned the fact that it helps you get the move to Southampton on loan um, because it, it really puts you in that short window, as you say, within the UK. What was it like when you joined a club like Southampton? Because they are a club that when you you look at them in the present day, they're a, they're a Premier League club. And even historically, back in the 90s, you had the likes of Matt Letizia, uh, who really put the club on the map across across the UK especially. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's a club um, that was massive. You know, it's a massive, and it, it's that same thing. One club city. Um, the training ground was immaculate. It was, it was probably in a better condition than Reading's training ground. Better facilities. Um, there was George. George Burley was the manager. Um, good Scotsman. He, he he was there. He was the manager. Um, there was Jason Dodd was the assistant manager. So there was still that kind of era of uh, Southampton players from when I would have looked at Southampton and followed Southampton when they were in the Premier League, you know. Um, so so those guys were kind of still dotted around within the club and we signed a centre-half came out from Rangers. He's a Scottish guy. Oh man, help you out here now. Craig. Um, oh my God. He would have been a, he would have, he would have had easily twenty or thirty Scottish caps by then. Um, so what are we talking? We're talking two thousand and eight. Uh, am I am I testing you there now? I, yeah, I'm trying to think back. Yeah, straight to Google. Um, oh my god, I've headed too many footballs. Um, Christian Daly. Christian Daly. So where did I go? Craig. Oh my God. I was right with C. Yeah. Christian Daly. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, he was a great guy because I, I was immediately able to kind of shadow him or follow him under his lead. You know, he he was um, like a serious professional, serious athlete, uh, centre back like myself. So um, there was Yusuf Yosef Sar, uh, Safri was there as well. He was a Moroccan midfielder. Jason Yule was there. Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, Adam Lana was in the squad. Um, Nathan Dyer was there, like some real high quality uh, technical players, and the club was just kind of refining its feet on and off the pitch. And I suppose I, I, I just my timing, I suppose, just coincided with a kind of an implosion within the club because they went, we were in Championship then, and they went down to League One. Um, I was there after Christmas, and we were knocking on the playoffs, and then. My loan ended at Christmas and it was agreed that I was going to go back. So I was delighted because I was in the team and playing well after a very, very, very rocky start where I had, you know, a terrible debut and a terrible follow-up game in the League Cup. So I felt like I clawed my way back into the team and I was just felt like I kind of put together a string of decent performances, maybe eight or nine games where I felt like, I, and I remember speaking to George Burley and he said, look, we'll get this going after Christmas again. And I was delighted. Um, but it never came true and it never, it kind of fizzled out. And that's possibly a sliding doors moment, you know, in your career. But like I said earlier, you, you end up at the level you're supposed to end up with if you're doing, if you're doing this for, for, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, and that, that, that's where I kind of, that's where I ended up, you know. Back to Reading and then another um, loan spell that then eventually becomes permanent, this time with Brentford. When you join Brentford, um, they're not the Brentford we know now that are, are really pushing towards going to the Premier League. They were a Brentford trying to get out of of League Two, and and you managed to do that by by winning League Two. How how do you look back on that achievement? Because I always say this to to any players that I speak to. I imagine winning any league, no matter what level it's at, it's just the best feeling in football. Yeah, you're spot on, and and like. Again, every so often, I think it was 10 years there recently, which is mind-blowing. But anyway, every so often, every year on Twitter, it, it flares up, you know, or every year on social media, it kind of flares up. And um, recently with, with Griffin Park, uh, Griffin Park uh, being, um, being, you know, it was the last game there recently and they had kind of had a, you know, great games at the ground and, so we were taking, like looking back at nine, it was nine, ten season, or was it eight, nine? No, it was eight, nine, sorry. Um, and just being able to win the league and, and win, just and, like, it was it was a phenomenal achievement in a sense because I know Brent, Brentford traditionally would have been a higher up club, but they were slipping down to that and they were in League Two and they'd been in that league for a couple of seasons and they wanted out and they wanted to gather momentum and start momentum and, uh, Matthew Benham had just bought the club the first season I was there. He's the current owner, and it just felt like something was starting. You know, within the club, they were starting to, to set seeds, and they were starting to make plans, and they were starting to move the club in in the right direction. The assistant manager Kevin O'Connor was playing was playing at the time, um, and it it was just it was just a good environment. And, and you look back so fondly, like when you when you when you shared something like that with a group of lads. You know, you just have nothing but fond memories as as the years go by, you know. 
was League Two a very physical league? And also, how would you compare it to to the League of Ireland in terms of playing style? Yeah, it it suited me. League League Two, League One suited me. You know, um, it suited me as a style of centre half. Um, it would have been something that I would have been used to um, from Ireland. You know, um, like. I suppose our League of Ireland is so like there's ten teams in the league, but the teams is so spread. You know the top team now, Shamrock Rovers, they would be a league League One team, Dundalk League One team. But then as you move down uh, the league, right down to the bottom, which we're we're in amongst at the moment, but Finn Harps are there as well, and they're a team that train you know, at night, so that some of those guys would have would have would have jobs which would be similar to conference teams, perhaps. I'm not saying they're conference standard, but a setup. Do you understand what I'm saying? So um yeah. that that kind of thing. Like so it, it's it's really spread out over 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 the um over the ten teams. But um it it, it did it suited me because League Two at the time were, were more uniform in terms of how each team played um, and that that kind of really suited me one big striker one small striker 4-4-2 four, four, defend every week every week you're up for a scrap every week is up for a fight um, you know the odd team like crew then would come to town who played football and you just have to you know you have to find a way around them and they, but they would have been known you would have seen that coming for weeks off whereas everyone else was kind of in amongst the same um so yeah at that time the age I was um how angry I was I suppose at, at the Southampton thing not really working to be able to fall into Brentford and be able to fall into that team really suited me you know and in terms of the success of promotion it's you, you won the league that season with Brentford but you end up joining Wickham um, and a couple of years later and, and you do it all over again but this time it's it's not a league one it's automatic promotion and and just sum up what that feeling's like, because again, albeit yes, you haven't won the league, but you've still earned the promotion outright. Yeah, and, and look, I suppose if I'm looking back at my career now, that that how it finished with Brentford will always kind of be a bit of a regret because it was, yeah, it just it's a real kind of again sliding doors moment. A real, if I could look back, I'd probably change one or two things, but that's football and that's football in the UK and, and it's so quickly turned over and it's so quickly um, changed, you know, and there's a lot of, lot of just particularly in the lower leagues, it's, it's very common and I suppose in one way I'm proud that we, we, we achieved something great together and, and uh, I would have loved to have been able to give that club more time, more of my time, more of my career. Um, when I went to Wickham then, Again, similar group, really good guys. Gareth Ainsworth was playing right wing, uh, who's the current manager. Matt Bloomfield was playing midfield, who's still playing midfield for Wickham. And the Gary Waddock was the manager. And um, it, I kind of stumbled in there a little bit as, as a slight hangover from how I left Brentford. And uh, the season was successful. Absolutely, and to be able to get promoted out of, out of the league again was very successful. And, and Wickham at the time were kind of yo-yoing between League One, League Two, League One, League Two. So we had to go back up to League One for them was that was was a great achievement, and they're really happy. And I never kind of felt like I gave that club 
like the, the full representation of myself, you know, because it just I, I was still slightly, I suppose, hung over from Brentford, which 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 is the only way I can kind of describe it. But it was still a successful time and still a great time um, for the whole club and the whole team. So that like that that I still am proud of. But again, I I, I suppose I would have loved to give him that more time then, but it, it's, it's just that's, that's the way it goes there, you know. You had many appearances following your success with Wickham in terms of promotion with um, both Cheltenham Town and AFC Wimbledon. You also um, play in the FA Cup run as well when you were at Cheltenham. How do you reflect on those two clubs? Because you were playing very regularly at both before you then returned to Cork in 2015. Yeah, I suppose I was, I was coming like, like League Two is relentless, you know. It's... it's... Anytime there's a, there's a League Two game on Sky, they always speak quite highly about any player who's in there at over thirty, you know, because it's a young man's league. It, it's it's really challenging. It's it's what is it, forty two games, or maybe more, no, forty six maybe games in the year. Yeah, twenty three teams. Um, so I knew as I went post thirty. That my time in that league, in the football league, was 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 running out, you know. So I just felt like that with those two clubs, I look back really fondly on my time there. You know, we had such a like Cheltenham is really like Cork. It's the same kind of town, same kind of city. Uh, horse mad, it goes Irish mad every every March uh, when everyone comes out for the racing. So it was a really great place to live and I really enjoyed living there. Same with Wimbledon, really nice area. Um, with Wimbledon, it's funny enough, um, even though you, you, you win a league, you win a promotion, but if you're part of a team that saves a club from relegation, it's just, I don't know, is, is, is gratitude a, a much stronger emotion than admiration? I don't know, you know, like, like, the, the the link I have with that club now because they're so grateful to that squad because that squad which was assembled by Neil Ardley kept the, the club in the league you know so in the football league so like as I said I think gratitude is just like so so much stronger than, than admiration because like when you win a league and, and people will admire the work you do but if you put your shoulder to a wheel of a job that doesn't look like it's going to be completed or is a real difficult job when you do it and complete it. The gratitude that, that came through to the players was, was just phenomenal, you know. And So I look back on, on both Cheltenham and Wimbledon with, with massive affection, you know, and, and the time there. But I suppose, like I said at the start of the answer, that I always knew I was heading back towards Cork and I always knew that I was going to finish my career in Cork. So I suppose when you get towards the end, you start to appreciate things more. And I definitely appreciate my time there. In terms of Wimbledon, um, you also played in front of Neil Sullivan, a very experienced goalkeeper. Obviously played many times for Scotland, played for Leeds United, Spurs, a real Premier League goalkeeper at his peak. Did that really help the team when you talk about how crucial it was to stay up? 100%, absolutely. I still vividly remember walking into the dressing room when I would have signed in, uh, in the January window, you know, and the club was kind of really struggling at the time and I remember walking in and 
think I, I think I'd watched the game. I think so. I think I, the, my transfer my transfer got through that Saturday morning, and I'd watched the game on Saturday afternoon. From what I can remember, I think we'd lost. I think they'd lost maybe one or two nil, and I just kind of came into the dressing room and and Neil Sullivan was standing there and he was like in his shorts and, and down to his in socks off all the rest he was kind of ready to go into the shower and I just you know felt like I needed to kind of make conversation so I was like two tough goals there you know I kind of wanted to start you know talking defensively and talking about you know how we could improve and he just said like he wouldn't have probably known me from Adam no like he brought you just knew there was a signing coming in and he just said that's why you're here like that's why you're here to, to sort that out like and I just thought back this is that's that stamp of approval and like I said he probably wouldn't have been able to pick me out of a lineup he probably just maybe read it on social media that morning or someone had mentioned it to him or somebody had said something that we had a new that the club had a new signing that day a centre back and he just he said that to me and from there on I just thought wow I need to really step it up here you know I need to really take on this responsibility and just you, once you get that stamp of approval from an older pro, it, it's just worth its weight in gold. Like because it, it doesn't come with, you know, sometimes if a manager or assistant manager or coach is giving you feedback, there's always that kind of dynamic of employer-employee. Do you know what I mean? Whereas when it's one of your co-workers, it's just and it's a senior co-worker, it just means so much more. You know. You mentioned the fact that you wanted to finish your career at Cork and you returned to Cork. How had the club and the, the league changed when you returned? Because at, at one of the clubs that really is, is in the forefront of everyone's mind when it comes to, to Irish football now, of course, is Dundalk. So was it completely different having them as a serious contender? Yeah, it, it, like, absolutely, you know. It was like... It was like when I went away, they they weren't even on the radar of League of Ireland football. You know, they were a first division team, and it was everything had kind of been turned upside down because the team who was on everyone's radar, which would have been Shelburne at the time, my first stint in Cork, were now a first division team, and the team in the first division now were the, were were the champions that everyone was kind of looking at, and it was it was a bit surreal, and it was my first time going up there once we when we went up there and. I suppose the big thing for me was the manager of Cork, which was John Caulfield, which is a guy, as I said, when I was starting out, was was, was still playing. Um, and I kind of knew that he would have the club thinking a certain way, talking a certain way, looking a certain way. And I kind of knew that that was something that I wanted to buy into. Um, and I, I kind of just, I, I knew that and I felt that from the very first day. And, um, I was a senior pro coming back and like I said I left a very successful Cork City so a very successful Cork City is what I wanted and envisioned the club as being when I walked back into it so um, again and it was similar we were just kind of starting to build starting to put together second third and then we were challenging and then we kind of just moved on from there you know it was, it was nice it's nice to be part of the clubs when, when you're in a good momentum you, you win the Cup in, in, in 2016, which is a massive achievement, But uh, and we will talk about that. But one of the things I really do want to talk to you about is, in your first spell, you really wanted to win the double, but on your, when you return, you do in 2017. Was was that really the, the cherry on top of the cake for yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you, 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 you only, I only got two attempts at a double, you know, and the first time we failed and 
second time, oh man, the anxiety coming up to me when it leading up to that to that cup final because you don't want to be, you don't want to have that, you know, you don't want to be the guy that loses two doubles or you don't have, you know, you get two attempts at it. Um, so, and it was also, um, it was also twelve years on from from. So you mentioned earlier when we spoke about 05, that was twelve years on from the club's first league win. 05 and then 17, you know, it was 12 years on again. So things just line up, you know, things just come together and and like we're a very isolated club and we're 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 kind of down on our own and it 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 just means so much more to to, to the whole community and the whole area, you know, when, when something magic happens. Um but yeah, absolutely to answer your question. Yeah, you're spot on there. And in terms of the, the, the two cup successes, I mean, Dundalk, as, as we both <laughs> agree on, really came to the forefront of everyone's mind and have done in the last sort of five, ten years. And in, in, in Irish football, beating them in, in both finals, is that something that gives you great pleasure when you consider the financial backing they've got? And crucially as well, what was more nerve-wracking? The 1-0 victory or the victory on penalties? Man, um, such fond memories. And again, look, Stephen Kenny was the manager, he's the Irish manager, he was the manager of Dundalk at the time and just felt like it would come back around, you know, from Derry again and I was facing him again. And In terms of the two cup finals, they just seem like a dream now, you know, and, and nerve-wracking, definitely the penalty shootout. Elation was, was the last-minute winner in 16, definitely, like, because to just be able to to get that victory it was massive for us as a team, to get that win over them, you know, to have that victory. And us as a team really grew on that night, you know, and we, we really cemented ourselves as a team. Um, to, listen, to get a last-minute winner for no matter where, from Ireland, Scotland, England, Wales, it's, it's just beautiful, you know. It's, it's a wonderful way. It's a heartbreaking way to lose. But it's it's you just ride that wave of euphoria for the next couple of days. It's it's it's, it's magic, you know. Overall, then, Alan, how do you how do you reflect on on your career? Because as I say, with Cork, you've achieved so much that that will really have you down in the record books. And and although you you downplay those international caps, there, there are so many people. Um, would love to represent their nation and even Irish people there's so many Irish people who would who would bite your your hand off to just get one cap and, and five minutes on the pitch whereas you get two caps and played played the full matches which which really speaks volumes I think and also in England to, to win promotions yes you might think to yourself when you reflect it wasn't the championship it wasn't the Premier League but at the same time Again, so many footballers out there would, would give their right arm also to, to win a, a league title and also win an automatic promotion. Yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm very proud. I am. And I, I don't mean to downplay or disrespect the Caps. I know, I know where you're coming from. I, I fully understand. I suppose when you're on a... When you're on a... Like, all I wanted to do growing up was be a professional footballer. That's, that's all I wanted to do was, was play football professionally to get paid to play football just absolutely blew my mind. And from the very first day, like when I got paid, I couldn't believe my luck. And and that's still the same now, you know. Um I have certain things that I'm really proud of as as a pro, you know, like showing resilience, 
Um, the feet still hurt. Like I'm, in, I'm kind of heading toward. I'm, I'm heading towards my last. I'm coming towards the end of my career now, and the feet still hurt as much now as they do when I started. I always felt like I was a good teammate. You know, I always felt like I never went, you know, bad mouthing fellow pros to other people. I never went bad mouthing my teammates to other people. I worked hard. I could have worked a lot harder. I I made the most out of the talent that I had, you know, which was probably limited enough in, in, in some regards, but I, I definitely made the most out of it. And I was, I suppose, constantly asking questions, constantly looking to improve. And they're things, you know, that over time, the, the reward of, of, of the accolades that you mentioned, they're kind of the extrinsic rewards, if you know what I mean. and and but the intrinsic rewards, I suppose, are the ones that keep you going in football and that being able to answer that question when, when people are doubting it, being able to take rejection, even though it shatters you to your very core, to be able to go and try and rebuild your confidence after it gets shattered constantly, to be able to just, you know, master a skill of defending, even though I wasn't, you know, I wasn't the most skilled, but I, I still mastered it to, to, to a certain degree. Um, and just being able to, you know, have that career as a professional football or it, it is the most, pr the proudest thing I, I, I've done, absolutely. That, that's what I'm most proud of. It's, as I say, an incredible career. And, and just before you go, a few quick fire ones for you. Best players you've played with? Yeah, I'd have, I'd have to, I'd have to go with Kevin Doyle. You know, I really would. Um, and John McGuire. Yeah, I'd have to go to two of them definitely. Toughest direct opponent? Oh my god! Um, I'll give you two. Like we, we played, played Spurs in a cup final, or not cup final. Sorry, we played Spurs in a cup run, and. Uh, Jermaine Defoe was playing up front I'd say he touched the ball maybe seven times and he got a hat-trick wow. unbelievable <laughs> um, but also I played against Akin Fenway a few times in the lower leagues um, who would be well known in lower league football and absolutely he was an absolute nightmare I was lucky enough to, to, to sign then for the same club as him which was even worse because I was training against him every day but uh, yeah very two very very difficult opponents What's he like as a character, Akin Fenwa? He's he's a really good guy, a really good guy. Like he's he's he he's he's again he, he kind of understands what he is as a player, as a as a you know, he understands what he brings to a to a to a team. Um he's got a magnetic personality, you know. He just gathers people around, he's he's huge on energy and positivity and, and it just it just feeds through people, you know, it just feeds through groups and it just, people just, you know, find their, he just radiate, excuse me, radiates that energy. So like for Gareth Ainsworth, you can, you, you can tell he speaks about him regularly in terms of being one of his generals. So you can see why, he, you know, he's had such an influence on that Wickham group and why they're being so successful at the moment. Last two questions. Um, Favourite away ground? Oh man, um, good question. 
good question. Hmm. I would I would have man, I see I always loved I always loved Cheltenham, but I suppose I played there, so that, that does, does that make it our way Probably not. I suppose oh, yeah. we went to You can yeah. do that if you wish. On <laughs> <laughs> a technicality, I suppose, yeah. I go I go I go I go with Cheltenham, yeah, because I just love the town, you know. I love driving through town, you drive through town, you get to the ground. It's so small, so so tiny and really, a really pretty town, you know. The last question I've got for you to, to wrap it up, and I think it's the only way to, to wrap this this interview up. I mentioned two spells at Cork, all you've achieved at the club. The last question, very simple one for you. What does Cork City mean to you? <laughs> oh man, we could do a whole lot of podcast on that, I think. Um look, it just it's home, it's family, you know, it's 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 just my club, you know. Really, I can't, I can't put it more simpler than that. And I just, you know, you do anything, you do anything for your home, you do anything for your family, like you would. So that's 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 the way I see it. Brilliant. It's been an absolute pleasure, Alan, and and I wish you every success for the future. And I know you you've mentioned the fact that you, you've you've had a great career. You're still playing, but you're coming towards the end. I wish you every success with the football and also in, in your new career outside football as well when that comes. Thanks, Callum. You're an absolute gent, boy. It was great to talk to you. I really appreciate it. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will